Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, and I'm joined today by Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun to recap Florida's third consecutive loss last night in the O-Dome, 78-71 to the Mississippi State Bulldogs, a game in which the Gators had the lead and once again squandered it. I think the fan base, frustrated as they've ever been, as this is the low point for the team this season. And we'll get Graham's thoughts and perspective on all of it and what they do moving forward from here. Graham, welcome back into Lockdown Gators. How's it going, my friend? It's going pretty well, Zach. Thanks for having me on. You know, certainly you mentioned a low point. A lot of fans, I think, certainly definitely down in the wake of Florida blowing a a 10-point halftime lead to Mississippi State. You know, mind you, let's get this out of the way first. A very, very good Mississippi State team that are stud player absolutely maybe the SEC's most improved player in Reggie Perry who absolutely did his thing last night we spoke to him and he said he was in a totally different zone last night he said that when he's in that zone he's unstoppable and Florida saw that their last three games before losing to Oklahoma by one point in the SEC Big 12 challenge Reggie Perry had gone for 2010 consistently so Florida really just was next up on his slate you saw what can happen when this team struggles to close on ball screens. They don't hedge right. They really have lost a defensive edge since seeing that offensive improvement seven, eight games ago, Zach. And, and that's got to be concerning, not only for, for the Florida fan base, obviously, who had high expectations for this team coming in. Kerry Blackshear Jr. being voted the SEC's preseason player of the year. And then you add in the number seven ranked recruiting class in the nation. A lot of people thought that this Florida team would be sitting here 20 games into the season at, you know, maybe 16 and four. And that's with the one of the toughest schedules in the entire nation. So certainly a huge disconnect between where Florida is right now and where a lot of people thought that they would be uh, in the first week of November there. I don't think that it's past the point right now where this team can get the issues corrected, Zach. But certainly if you watched last night, there's a whole lot to get fixed here in February. Now, this is, I would say, probably the fourth game in a row where the Gators came out and had a hot start. Certainly against Auburn, they did against LSU, and against Baylor, they started hot. Once again, last night against Mississippi State, they came out and got the lead. You saw Trey Mann making some shots. What happened after they built that 16-point lead in the first half that they just squandered it the rest of the way? Well, two things, and and when you combine them, it it may kind of sound like uh, that they're counterintuitive in a sense, but the big thing was that Florida played very locked in. They they moved quickly and decisively without the ball. They screened away from the ball, screened teammates, talked, were very active. They were aggressive on the glass. They were more aggressive on defense in those first 15 minutes than they were in the latter 25 minutes. And then the other thing, especially offensively, because I, I think that you have to mention that offensively was a huge reason why Mississippi State was able to come back, aside from Florida's defensive lapses. You know, Scotty Lewis gave Florida 10 points very, very quickly. He played with an edge where, and he said it himself, he was fearless, trying to seize the moment, not really worried about missing any shots, and and he started, what, five for six as a result. 
Florida has spoken about this just as often as they have about the recent five-minute good stretches. They've spoken about shooting without repercussions, without a fear of repercussions. When you, when you are a jump shot oriented team and, and let's not make any mistake this Florida team certainly you have to say that they are yeah uh based on where their ceiling would be at if, if those shooters were scoring at a high rate you have to shoot not afraid to to miss and Florida did that at the end of the LSU game which was so maddening to the fan base why they can do that in a 90 second stretch but can't shoot like that for 40 minutes or even 35 minutes and consistently so Florida did those things in the beginning of the game, and, and they did some in, in ladder stretches when their back was against the wall there, but you have to have that mentality every single game that you're going to miss some shots, whether it's in practice, whether it's in the game, and you can't approach it afraid to miss because then you're already setting yourself back, and, and that's what Mike White is trying to preach to this team right now. Again, I say this all the time, but a very young team, and when you are a young player, you can tend to fall into those deer-in-the-headlights mentality that that mindset where you know that your minutes may be cut if you if you make the wrong decision or or don't rotate or pre-rotate or do any of the things that you're asked to do you know that your role may change and then your college trajectory may change and those things can often have an effect on a player's game and and Mike White right now is dealing with eight of his 10 guys who are playing possibly dealing with something of that nature Zach. Yeah and when you look at the result of the game and, and how Florida fans felt about it. The frustrations on social media were apparent. How did you feel like Mike White addressed the loss post game? I mean, you mentioned some of the reasons for why you thought that they weren't able to get the job done. What did he have to say about the effort that was on the floor? Yeah, Mike White is a guy who who really is very open and honest. And, and I think you're starting to see Mike White running out of answers in a sense. He, he has said that he has communicated it repeatedly over and over and made it very clear what this team needs to do. He's not one of these old-school Bobby Knight-type coaches where if a guy isn't locked in and practiced, he's going to stop you and scream your face off and, and let you know that you don't even deserve to be here. He's not that kind of guy at all. He's someone who chooses to stop practice, gather everyone together, make it very, very serious to to try and quell or get rid of any possible goofiness or lack of seriousness that may be there even. Sure. He gets guys together and and tries to say this is not the right mindset. And and for some people, that may not be the right approach. You know, I'm not going to sit here at all and tell Mike White that I know what's better or how to coach. But I think that some Florida fans, when these things happen... Repeatedly. Repeatedly, they want to see... A Billy Donovan lock the gym type response, don't wear gator type close response. As I'm sure you remember yeah. when some of those teams like this one had former five stars and they weren't living up to the billing. You know, I, I think many people remember early in Chandler Parsons career with Nick Calathis, those teams kind of assumed that they would walk in here and, and have success like the O4s. And when that didn't happen, their preparation didn't change, their mentality changed, and that made Billy Donovan change his mentality and his approach and step out of his comfort zone to get guys back in. And that was a sign, I think, for many, especially inside the program, that this is a person who we respected and we respect their day-to-day approach. But at the same time, they will make a last-ditch effort if they see the ship sailing away without them. And who knows if that time is here or even soon for Mike White to get mean and nasty with these guys because he has a lot of extremely nice players who as a result of his niceness and his personality may 
right now not be getting that edge that they need. And right now, as I said, a very winnable February for Florida where they could punch their ticket to the postseason tournament. It's going to take possibly stepping outside of that comfort zone for it to happen, Zach. Now, certainly, this falls on Mike White's shoulders. The product on the court, the losses that have happened, it all falls back on Mike White. I think that in these post-game press conferences and press conferences in general, he has taken responsibility and put the blame on himself in many instances. But he's also been fairly critical of his players. As much as people want to attribute the Mississippi State loss to poor coaching, and there's no doubt that that played an effect, how much of it do you have to attribute also to lack of effort, lack of edge, and guys just you know missing open shots, not blocking out? I mean, we saw a lot of that from the Florida players, and I know Mike White's not going to take the podium and point his fingers at the players every time, but some of it does fall on their shoulders as well. Yeah, Mike White is definitely put in a difficult position when he is put up there in the, let's call it how it is, 20 minutes after a very difficult loss and, and asked to kind of explain your failures. That's kind of something not many of us, I think, can really relate to, uh, especially on such a public level that Mike White endorsed. So I think that all this picking apart of his answers and selective usage of quotes that that often kind of hits social media that, that is used to make him look bad Really, it's a lot of people telling on themselves, I think, because you never get those great quotes that show how thoughtful and mindful he is of a lot of Florida's issues. And I'm glad you mentioned it, Zach, how often he does point the finger at himself. Sure. I think a lot of people are upset that Mike White hasn't done a perfect job. And if if that's your mentality to ask for that, I'm not going to sit here and say that you don't deserve to expect perfection. But I think as humans, we all can simply look back and say, you want someone who is able to very quickly identify their own faults and where they failed. And if you're not able to do that, someone else needs to point out your own flaws to you because often it is for your own betterment. So Mike White often does both. He will identify where he failed, where he could have been better, where another team beat him, where another team was better than him. He goes down a full list. And he'll say, I did a lousy job. And he'll take a lot of personal accountability And then he will use a lot of blanket statements like, we needed to do this, our guys, the I mean, after Baylor, he called them soft, he called them immature. And, you know, he's not sitting there singling players out individually, but at the same time, he he does, I think, get very descriptive with where I think guys need to improve. And so certainly I understand why people in losses can be very upset with a lot of those things. But at the same time, especially, you know, I think that the elephant in the room that we always talk about is the expectations, because last year... At this point, the Gators were 9-12, and 12, and no one said that they were going to make the NCAA tournament, and then they went on a pretty good run at the end of February and end up getting to 20 games with a game in the tournament. All I'm saying is that there's a lot of variables here with this team. They had a whole lot of turnover, and I think that a lot of people, as much as they have high expectations for Mike White, they're revealing how high their expectations were for those players, assuming that they would be able to instantly step in and be a, what, 15-game increase over seniors like Kevon Allen and Jalen Hudson. No matter what your feelings were for them, they knew a lot of things, how to operate, go to class, prepare, that a lot of young kids don't understand. And expecting that transition to be seamless, I think it is kind of showing the privilege that a lot of Florida fans have had when it comes to how continuously Florida programs have been able to do that with 18 and 19-year-olds 
at the same time, how much that can fly in the face of how nationally many programs struggle to do that. And Mike White, in the very first week, tried to back away from those preseason expectations because ultimately, and not to call anyone out, especially my own colleagues, he's not the one who voted Florida number six in the country. Mike White did as much of a job as he possibly could in that first week of a season saying, we don't know how good we are. We may not make the tournament. We don't know how good this team could be. We could win 30 games. We have a whole lot of work left to do. We are not the number six team in the country. I never saw that quote posted anywhere. And if we were sitting here right now going off what Mike White said in September, there wouldn't be this whole sky is falling. Mike White needs to... They didn't meet expectations. Because the expectation that he laid out for this team, they are currently right in line with that. So if you base your expectation around there, you are sitting here understanding that your coach kind of predicted a lot of the issues that they may face and then he always prefaced it with, hey, we may get really good here. We may figure it out. Because as every Florida fan knows, whether they are in the keep Mike White or move on from Mike White high, whatever you want to call it, there have been some extremely good performances from this team. When they haven't been good offensively, they've been good defensively. And I think a lot of people, their frustrations come from knowing how good this team could be when they put it all together. And the fact that they haven't seen it after 20 games, I think that both sides can agree that that is frustrating right now. They've had a lot of ups and downs this season. It's already been a roller coaster year. They've had highs. They've had lows. They certainly won the Charleston Classic. That was a big deal. They had the comeback win against Alabama. But then they had some low points this season. I did feel, and I think maybe many wondered, Graham, when they got his 100th career win against Ole Miss. And then you know they beat South Carolina. And then they got the win over Auburn. 22 points, beat a top five opponent. It was finally the signature win that I think Mike White had been needing. And then once again, the roller coaster continues and you lose three in a row. Did you feel like maybe Mike White and these players felt like they had turned a corner with that win over Auburn? And then how damaging or disappointing is it to now come off of that and lose three in a row? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that has been something that Mike White has talked about as well as being an issue with this team after a big win, after South Carolina, Alabama, Auburn. One of the main focuses for Florida's coaching staff has been making sure that guys look at the day-to-day -day consistent progress rather than getting too excited and feeling like they've jumped 20 spots in the rankings or made all these overnight changes when in reality it's not that at all. They're still a team taking it game by game. That's really been the key for Florida, and, and really that's one of those signs of that immaturity. A lot of people say, oh, that's an excuse, but there's a lot that comes with youth aside from just lack of collegiate basketball experience. Getting too low after a win, thinking that, oh, we're never going to recover, that's something that has to get coached out of young players, and thinking that, oh, we just beat a team ranked higher than us, we are now better than them and ranked higher than them, we can slack off on individual drives. That kind of mentality, obviously very poisonous, and you see daily coaches lambast it and campaign against you know, all these rankings. And again, I, I keep referencing quotes Mike White had at the beginning of the year. He has said multiple, and you know, as a media member, you kind of be like, hey, did I write that? But he said multiple times, I don't know what these guys are reading. I don't know how they got this opinion that they were so good because that mentality that these guys are so good, that they are top team in the SEC, that is not one that this Florida basketball program has ever communicated to this iteration of the Gators. And if that had happened, I could understand why a lot of people would be 
upset with Mike White and company, but he has been very clear to them that you have a whole lot of work to do. If you think that you don't have work to do, you'll be pretty bad. And that has been as clear as day. And I understand that these pressers don't get watched in mass the way that uh, Dan, Dan Mullins, Mullins do. Yeah. And, and Chris Harry, you know, who work, who does a great job. He has written this storyline multiple times about the coaching staff trying to get guys to avoid that too high or too low mentality. And, and after the game, I asked Scotty Lewis and Kerry Blackshear after Florida lost 78-71 to Mississippi State, is the point here not to get too low after this, after losing three games, because it's still a lot left to play for. And, and they talked about that is a consistent thing. So if you are following the, the team on a day-in and day-out basis, you do get the feel from them that they are not a top 25 team that may one day, if that day may be next week, it may be next season, one day they could be a top 25 team. But right now they are dealing with the sobering realization that they were not as good as they thought that they were or that everyone told them and that maybe they should have listened to their head coach in that regard. Uh, and he's not perfect, obviously, but they maybe should have listened to their coach when he said, if we don't do the work, we're not going to be this good. All right, Graham. You mentioned the elephant in the room, and it is a talking point around Gator Nation now that the Gators have lost three in a row, that they have not met those preseason expectations. Is Mike White's hot seat? And job security, depending on how the Gators finish this year, what is your take based on how close you are to the program? What's your sense of where he's at right now? What they need to do to finish this season for him to feel like he's got that job security. Before I answer that, I got to say, I understand the plight of the fan base and what they're going through. Um, I mean, you cannot go on a Gators men's basketball tweet after a loss and look at that comment section without seeing Fire Mike White just littered across it. Yeah, it's certainly divisive. And I think the psychological element is, is maybe those people are still grappling with whether Billy Donovan was really appreciated at the time for how good he was or whether people would deal with, you know, the ripple effect of, oh, wow, this is the drop-off in the years afterwards. And I think about that all the time. Is this the realistic drop-off from Billy Donovan for this program? And we have yet to have that question answered. I don't understand a lot of people who try and say that Mike White's not a good coach because continually that has been proved. I, a lot of times people had a bad game. Yeah. Or have a bad game or just make the wrong scouting decision or make the, or put together the wrong game plan. Game plan. Yeah. And, and when you're, you know, doing three times as many of these basketball games, you often are reliant upon your assistant coaches who, who let's be honest, there is less of a fraternity in, in basketball coaching than there is, in football coaching, you often are trusting your gut for these assistant coaches to go out there and make the right scouting decisions and tell you what you should do and what the other team does well. And because as that coach, you're worried about recruiting and all the other things that are involving your current roster and speaking gigs. And so to say that he's a bad coach is just simply not true. There, there are so many things that Mike White's nine years of head coaching have proven that he does well defensively drawing up set plays because he could be a good coach and also not be as elite as Billy Donovan. Yeah, exactly. And he's won 20 games each year that he's been at Florida. I think that certainly Mike White has made his mistakes. 
He's not done a great job with this team. I I think that he would tell you that as well. I think that if this was the the litmus test by which to define Mike White, I think a lot of people would say that he's average. And, And I think that he right now would agree that he's done an average job coaching this team. Zach, you mentioned the elephant in the room, and this is the one where I think Florida fans really don't realize, and if I think if they knew this, maybe they would ease up just a little bit. A lot of Florida fans should realize that Mike White is one of the most well-liked people in the entirety of the University of Florida athletic program. You know, I'm, I'm not even talking just coaches, top to bottom. People who work for the UAA. And that is so far... From outside the two hours people see him on TV coaching a basketball game every night, it's from the effort he makes. The program that he's building. The culture that he's building. It doesn't even get reported, all the things. And there, there's, I'm sure, things that I don't even know. So I'm just assuming there is a reason, I think, that fire Mike Whitehive. They always say, well, why are people defensive of, of Mike White so much? Why are they so defensive of him? Because the support for Mike White, I think, is as high as it's been. And... A lot of people are going to say, oh, you're disconnected because this is the product that they're putting out on national television. Well, I would say to those people that, again, that is not how a coach is defined. And and I say this just to caution some of those Florida fans. Certainly, it can rub people inside the administration the wrong way as well. And let's let's remind people, you know, taking shots right now at an administration that is currently devoting $100 million to bettering the facilities that those same people spent the last 10 years directing their vitriol at may not be the smartest thing. And, you know, I'll leave it at that, Zach. We'll see where the Skaters basketball team moves from here. They're back in action Saturday on the road against Vanderbilt. That will definitely be a must-win game. We'll have Graham back again to get his thoughts on perspective on where the Gators go from here. Later on this week, we'll preview that matchup as well as get you ready for another recruiting weekend. That'll do it for the latest edition of Locked on Gators. For Graham, I'm Zach. Cheers, everyone. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Gators is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Gator fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Gator fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you.